0: welcome everyone to nadarim uh, one week at a time uh today is our fifth lesson and today we're going to be reviewing Daf 29 through 35. Uh, so let's begin with Daf 29 uh, where we discussed last week a case where somebody sanctifies a branch of a tree uh, till it is cut down. Uh, and here on DAF 29, um, the, the Gemara explains how could, when you cut it down, all of a sudden it loses its sanctity. Uh, and the Gemara explains that the sanctity that it had is really its value, not itself. Uh, in Hebrew, we say, which is the, the object itself. Has sanctity physically, as opposed to in Hebrew, ktushat damim, which means uh, monetary value. Uh, And here the Gemara explains that monetary value can disappear on its own. Uh, And it's not the same thing as if it had physical sanctity. uh, And therefore, that sanctity can disappear just by cutting it down, uh, right? So the Gemara gives different examples of like temporary uh, sanctity, right? So let's say somebody says, uh, and this goes to uh, the last masachat that we did, right? A, a man says to a woman, right? You should be mikudeshet, right? You should be, right? betrothed to me but it's the same word um you should be betrothed to me today but not tomorrow there's no such thing right you can't that's not something that you can turn on and turn off uh either it's there or it's not um what if someone sanctifies an animal for a sacrifice uh let's say uh, in 30, you know, for the next 30 days, it should be this kind of sacrifice. But if I don't, uh, if I don't bring it to the temple, it should be a different, uh, sacrifice afterwards. That seems to work, uh, and it, it seems that it can be transferred or the Gemara says, no, again, this is um, sanctifying the value and not necessarily sanctifying that itself um right let's say a man gave a woman money and he says right you should be betrothed to me in 30 days uh we actually said that that does work even if the money doesn't exist after those 30 days um it does work right so some say however that within those 30 days uh she can retract it right she can say never mind i don't want to do that or maybe not right once she accepts the money maybe uh it does work and these are things we're going to see actually in Masachek kidushin which talks about the actual betrothal uh and how it works and the mechanisms um okay um right uh, the last the last uh case on Daf 29 right when a person says uh that he'll give something to god right it's as if you gave it, right? So here the Gemara explains, what does it mean to sanctify something? It's as if you gave it to another person. Therefore, you can't take it back. Meaning once you gave it, you gave it. Uh, therefore, if you say you're going to give this animal as a sacrifice in 30 days, you cannot retract it uh, within those 30 days. Once you sanctified it, that is it. Um, okay, Daf 30 uh, continues and says, Right. Let's say a man gives a woman two coins and he says, one is that you are um, betrothed to me today and the other is for after I divorce you. Right. Uh, Don't ask me why someone would say this. uh, Right. But let's say he wants to betroth her. He wants to divorce her. And then he wants to betroth her again. Um, So the question is, does this work? Uh, and is it the same thing? The Gemara says, no, 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 this is different, right? Because um, this is not the same as our branch case, uh, because someone can um, someone can uh, redeem the branch and that would work. So it's not the same case. And uh, again, don't ask me why someone would say this. Okay, let's go to the next Mishnah. Uh, the next Mishnah is going to start a series of Mishnayot. Um, that are all uh, similar. They're the same genre, just different examples of the same thing. Um, We're going to have a list of cases where somebody um, makes a vow that seems to be meaning one thing, and we interpret it to mean uh, either something else, or we want to understand what does it include, what does it exclude. Okay, so here we go. The Mishnah says, A person says, I won't have any benefit from people who are seafarers. So the Mishnah tells us, right, he can have benefit from people who live on the land, right? Because he said people who go out to sea, so people on the land, he can. But if he says, I will not have benefit from land dwellers, then he also can't have benefit from seafarers. Because, right, we know that even sailors, even if they live out at sea, they eventually come to the land. Uh, and therefore, they would be included in land dwellers. Um, and this is not like, the, the Mishnah adds a line, this is not like those who go from Akko to Yafo, right? These are cities in Israel, right? Um Acre right ako acre right uh, right uh, ako till uh, till jaffa till Yafo, um, but this is talking about people who go long distances. Uh, the Gemara is going to explain what this means um, so first of all, uh, maybe that last line that we just mentioned. When we said what are seafarers, it doesn't mean someone who goes up and down the coast of Israel, rather someone who goes far on a journey, right? A sailor who goes far um, and uh, those are really seen as seafarers, right? Or um, maybe when it's saying uh, that you cannot, right? Again, you can not have benefit from somebody who is a short, right? If you said land dwellers. So for people who are just go up and down the coast, those would be included. But someone who goes really far away, those would really be called sea dwellers and they wouldn't be called um, land dwellers. Next, Mishnah, a person says, I won't get benefit from sun seers, right? People who see the sun. So I, right? Presumably, it's saying someone who can see. Um, and interestingly, the Mishnah says this also includes blind people um, because right, maybe it means the people that the sun sees, right? It, that the sun sees all of these people uh, and therefore, and it doesn't mean those who can see the sun, uh, which would exclude blind people. Um, who does it? Exclude then, the Gemara says it excludes fish, right? Because they're under the water uh, and uh, unborn children who have not seen, we would say the light of day. Interesting. Next, Mishnah, uh, I will not get benefit from dark heads. What does that mean? Um, Right, One would think maybe it means someone with dark hair. The, the Mishnah says no. It even includes bald people, uh, people, right, people who don't have hair, people who have white hair. Who does it exclude? It excludes women and children because they are not called dark-headed. Uh, again, this is, I guess, uh, um, Statement. I guess uh, the way people spoke in the time of the Mishnah and the Gemara, um, right? Uh, maybe because it didn't. The Gemara explains maybe because it didn't say people with dark hair. It says dark heads. Uh, and interestingly, the the Gemara explains right. Women always cover their hair, so their or their heads. Uh, so they would not be called dark heads and children never cover their heads. Uh, so therefore women and children would be excluded from this statement. Next Mishnah, um, I will not get benefits from people who were born. This would exclude those who haven't been born at the, state, the time of the statement. Uh, or for those who will be born. Right, that includes, even though you said will be born, the Mishnah says it actually includes everybody who was born already. Or another opinion in the Mishnah is no, it doesn't include, it doesn't go retroactive, it only goes forward. Um, right, Rabbi Meir says that each one excludes the other, meaning who were born is only to the past, who will be born is only to the future. Um, Again, uh, this seems to exclude fish and and birds. Right, they hatch; they are not born, Uh, and therefore, right. If you say that it includes everybody who was and will be, um, then we have to find another group of uh, of uh, right uh, organisms or animals or living creatures that are not born; rather, they hatch. Next Mishnah uh, on DAF 31, right? I will not get benefit from people who keep Shabbat, okay? Uh, This I think uh, is very interesting. What does it include, right? Who are people who keep Shabbat? It includes all Jews, even if they don't keep Shabbat and it includes um, and it also includes the team. If you remember the Kutim are a, uh, a nation that lived in Israel, uh, and converted and, uh, the Gemara in different places, uh, will explain that they kept some, some laws, but not all of the laws. So it seems that they did keep Shabbat. Um, so therefore they would be included. Um, I will not get benefit from people who eat garlic. Uh it seems that this again includes Jews and Kutim. They uh ate garlic. Uh the the um the commentary says they ate uh that Jews ate garlic on Friday to increase virility uh for Friday night. Um from people who go up to Jerusalem, this includes Jews, but not the Kutim. Apparently, they did not go to Jerusalem to the temple. Um, rather, only, only the Jews did. Uh, the Gemara explains, right, again, this includes people who were commanded to keep Shabbat, um, and not necessarily if people are Shabbat observant. However, non-Jews. Right, even if they rest on Shabbat are not commanded to do so, uh, and therefore they are not included in this vow. Um, I I think this is going to continue. I just want to say here um, just uh, two things. One, I think that as we've seen previously, and we'll continue to see, uh, I think the, the Mishnah and the Gemara are trying to tell us that our words are very powerful. Right, and they have a lot of meaning. Uh, Sometimes we will say, Right, what did you mean? And other times we're going to assume what you meant. Uh, And it's interesting to think about, right, how the Mishnah and the Gemara interpret the things that we say, right, whether it is um, societal norms. Right. What are right? What are people called uh, as opposed to another group of people are called something else? Um, Or uh, we also saw this previously. We are going to try to take the broadest interpretation of our words. Uh, because again, we want to be very careful that you do not transgress uh, this commandment of keeping vows. So I think that's important to just keep in mind when we read all of these mishnayot. On the one hand, um, I don't want to say that they would seem silly, but they seem right—either redundant or um, wh- you know, we we question why do we have to have. All of these examples, or what are they trying to teach us? So I think there is something deeper here. Um, specifically, the 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 last one that I mentioned and the the following few, um, because I think that uh, there's a statement about the Jewish people, right? If I say those who keep Shabbat, right, or or right, then I, I think here it's saying really you mean all Jews, right? All Jews should should either should be keeping Shabbat or were commanded to keep Shabbat. Um, so I think that here we have a very unifying statement um, and you'll see it continues uh, to different right uh, um, Jews and non-Jews. So the next Mishnah says, I will not benefit from um, the descendants of Noah. Okay, so here, um, interestingly, if you think about it, we are all descendants of Noah, rather um, the Mishnah says when you say descendants of Noah, Bnei Noah, it means non-Jews uh, because we already, right? the Gemara explains that we also are descended from Noah, but once Abraham came, we are known as the descendants of Avraham. And that's a, a, a different um way of saying Jews. And descendants of Noah, it seems at that time and maybe now, um, are seen as right, everybody else, right? Everybody else came from Noah. We come from Avraham, right? We're called Bnei Avraham. Right. So the next Mishnah says, I will not get benefit from the children of Avraham, right? This includes Jews. It excludes non Jews, right? And here um, it's interesting that the next question would be, what about Yishmael, right? Yishmael is a son of Abraham. So um, the Gemara explains when I say the children of Abraham, I also mean to say the children of Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov meaning the jewish people and i don't mean to say uh the the descendants of yishmael or esav Uh, those are already seen as other meaning not part of the jewish people right if you say i won't benefit from jews that seems to be very clear but now how are you going to make a living Uh, right so the mishnah says you can do business with jews but Right, think about all of you with business heads. Right, it means that you need to buy at high prices and you need to sell at low prices. Right, what does that mean? I can do business, but I can't make a profit uh, because you just said that you don't want to have benefit from Jews. Right, what if you say, um, I vow that Jews won't benefit from me? That's the opposite. So now you need to do the opposite. He needs to buy low and sell high, right? But nobody's going to want to do business with him because that seems to be, right, not very good for business. Right? What if we say we can't benefit from each other? Now um, you can only do business with non-Jews because you cannot have benefit either way. Um, So the Gemara explains to us, for those of us who are not good at business, Right? if an item is in low demand, then the sale is going to be to the benefit of the seller, right? Because if a lot of people want the same thing, the seller can increase the price, right? And that seems to be uh, according to the Mishnah. But a regular sale, meaning when you don't either hike up the prices or drop it too low, um, a regular sale is to the benefit of of the buyer. Um, Interestingly the end of the Mishnah seems to be saying that when an item is in a high demand so then uh, the end of the Mishnah would be uh, what we were talking about um so here the Gemara continues that your responsibility to guard an item is directly related to your responsibility to pay for that item, right? Since we're talking about buying and selling, um, so the Gemara gives like a a case of, let's say you pick something up in a store, right? You break it, you buy it, right? Even if I didn't pay for it yet, if I cause it to get lost or broken, so then I have a responsibility to pay for it. Um, Okay, the next Mishnah on DAF 31 uh, tells us, right? I vow, I do not want to have any uh, benefit from someone who is uncircumcised. Uh, Again, interestingly, here we're going to take a very broad view. What does this mean, uncircumcised? It means a non-Jew, and it excludes a Jew. And here the Mishnah says, even if the Jew couldn't get circumcised or isn't circumcised, he is not included in that vow uh, and vice versa, right? A non Jew who is circumcised is included in this vow. Meaning again, when you said, um, I I don't want to get b- uh, benefit from someone who is uncircumcised, the Mishnah is interpreting this as saying, From a non Jew, we're not really focusing on the technicalities of did the person have a circumcision or not, rather what group of people this person um, is connected to. And since we're discussing Brit Mila, circumcision, uh, the Mishnah tells us. That a brit milah is so great, and it gives a whole list of reasons why it is so great. Right? It has uh, the word covenant. Brit is mentioned thirteen times in the verses talking about doing a brit milah. Um, Not only that, but to do a circumcision, right? We learned in Masachat Shabbat that it actually overrides the laws of Shabbat. And therefore, right, you can do a brit milah on Shabbat. Um, Also, we saw that you cannot delay it, right? That goes together with Shabbat. But also, if you remember Moshe, right, when he leaves to go to Egypt with his two sons and his wife Tzipora, he gets into trouble because he didn't give his son a a brit milah, right? And the Mishnah, the Gemara is going to talk more about this story. Um, and basically we saw that Moshe is actually punished for delaying brit Milah. Um, it also overrides sarat, right, which is leprosy, which means uh there is a law. We I don't think we've learned it before, but uh when we talk about sarat, again biblical leprosy, not modern day leprosy, but biblical leprosy is a physical manifestation of a spiritual uh ailment uh and the the torah tells us that you're not allowed to cut off a lesion right you have to wait till it goes away and then you can come back into the uh the camp um but uh what happens the gemara asks what happens if one of those lesions is on the foreskin Right? Do you do brit milah or not? Uh, the answer is yes. Uh, you do brit milah. It overrides the uh, commandment to not remove a lesion of sarat uh, of leprosy. Uh, keep. Let's keep going. Why is brit milah so great? Um, Abraham was called complete, tamim. Uh, here, tamim like tam is not. Uh, naive or innocent, like we say at Seder night with the four sons, Tam. Uh, But here Tamim means whole, complete, right? He's only, Avram is only called complete after doing Brit Milah. And the last thing the Mishnah tells us is that um, God created the world so that the Jewish people can do Brit Milah, which sounds... Uh, very fantastical. Uh, so the Gemara is going to explain all of these things. Um, so let's go to the story of Moshe. Um, right, uh, The Gemara tells us that God wanted to kill Moshe because he delayed Brit Milah for his son. We know that you need to give a Brit Milah on the eighth day. Uh, and um, the Gemara explains why didn't he give it right away. Um, Moshe knew that they needed to go to the desert and um, he didn't want to um um what's the word? He didn't he was afraid for his son. He didn't want him to become ill or to get infected. Uh he knew it was dangerous to to circumcise him and then uh to take him on this journey. Uh and therefore he delayed doing the Brit Mila, um at that point. Uh at this point on DAF 32. The Gemara tells us this story that two angels, uh, they were called Af and Chema, which basically means like, uh, anger, <laughs> anger and fury. Um, and these, uh, and these, um, these two angels came and they tried to swallow him up. Uh, there's a discussion. Who did they try to swallow up? Was it Moshe as a punishment, uh, and therefore he couldn't do the Brit Milah? Was it the the, the child, the baby, so that um, only the area of the Brit Milah was exposed, and that's how Tzipora was the one who was able to do Brit Milah, uh, right? So it's important to recognize Moshe did not do it. Um, his wife Tzipora did it. Um, and... Uh, Afterwards, right, so uh, Tzippor does the Brit Milah on her son. She saves him. And then Moshe wanted to kill these two angels. Uh, Some say he was successful at killing Chema, but not Af. uh, And that seems to be like a very interesting story about angels. Uh, Next, right, we said um, the greatness of Brit Milah, that Abraham was only called complete um, after he did Brit Milah. And since we're talking about Brit Mila, um, the the Gemara tells us that Brit Mila corresponds to all 613 commandments, right? That's how great it is. Um, And since we're talking about Avraham, so the Gemara is going to keep talking about Avraham. It says that God took Avraham outside, right, to show him the stars. Uh, So the Gemara explains that Avraham was looking at at. His stars, right, and saw that he would only have one son, and God said, right, go out of right, stop looking at your stars because, um, right, uh, uh, a line that we actually learned in the beginning, uh, probably about two and a half years ago. Um, what was the line? Ain mazal Israel, right? There is no um mazal is right either superstition or astrology uh, but these things do not control Jews uh, right rather he took him out of his astrology right and God said don't worry I'll you know I'll, I'll plan for you and it'll all be okay right so the Gemara says right with the righteous God is righteous right and if but the opposite is also true right if you pay attention or take astrology and um, these signs and superstitions, so superstitions, if you take them seriously, then says the Gemara, they're gonna work for you. Meaning, uh, if you read, uh, you know, your horoscope and you think that these bad things might happen to you, the Gemara seems to say they might happen to you, um, right? And if you don't believe in them, then. You won't, right? And if you don't believe in them, uh, the Gemara tells us that you have a special part uh, place in a heaven where even the angels cannot uh, cannot touch you, uh, right? So it seems to again, don't forget, in the time of um, definitely of the the Tanakh, but even in the Mishnah, the Gemara um, superstitions are very powerful, very popular. Uh, so I think here the Gemara is trying to say, uh, don't give them credit. Um, the since we're talking about Abraham, uh, the Gemara continues that Abraham was actually punished because he used um, he used Torah scholars to fight against the four kings. Right? It says that he took the people uh, uh, to come and fight with him, and it seems that uh, he should have let them either continue learning Torah or he should have had enough faith that he would have known that he could do it on his own. But because of this, the Jewish people were sent to Egypt, uh, and that's why they had to be enslaved in Egypt, says the Gemara. Or maybe it was because uh, Avram didn't have enough faith in God. What does that mean? right? Because uh, Avram says to God, how can I know for sure that I will have a child or that I will have a descendant? Uh, and that seems to be questioning God. And, uh, the Gemara seems to be critical of that here, but it is interesting because later on, uh, Abraham challenges God and it seems to be a very productive conversation. So that seems to be very interesting. Um, or, uh, maybe the third reason why, uh, Again, we the Jewish people were sent to Egypt as a punishment to Abraham was because he didn't save the people uh, after that war with the four and the five kings. So the king of Stom says, uh, here you can take the people. And Abraham says, no, 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 I don't want to take the people. Uh, and here again, it seems that the Gemara is critical of Abraham for not wanting to save more souls, right? More people. Um, Okay, right. So the Gemara says that Abraham took 318 people with him to war, or maybe he only took Eliezer, right? Because the numerical value, right, which we say gematria, that's the numerical value of every letter. So the numerical value of Eliezer, who is the servant of Abraham, is 318. So either he took 318 people plus Eliezer, or he just took Eliezer, which was like taking 318 people. Uh, From here, uh, from going critical, we're gonna be positive of Abraham. Uh, The Gemara tells us that Abraham was three years old when he recognized God. Uh, This is, again, taking numerical value uh, of the word, right? It says, uh, uh, um, Abraham says, Ekev asher shama bekoli, the word ekev means, right, um, till or for as long as, right, so if you do the numerical value of the word ekev, ayin kuf bet, it comes out to 172 years, right, for 172 years, he knew God, but he died when he was 175 Therefore, he must have discovered God when he was three years old. Um, More numerical values, Uh, the numerical value of the word Hasatan, right, the Satan, is 364. Uh, What does this mean? Uh, That the Satan has power over us for 364 days of the year. But one day, Yom Kippur, he does not have any power over. Over us um, and um, the, the idea, right? Avraham again, more numerical values. Um, Avraham was um, was given. Right? He, his name was changed from Avram to Avraham. Right? a hay was added. The Gemara says, what is this? Hey, hey, in numeric right, is five. Uh, in numerical value. Uh, What's five? Avram got power over five of his limbs that in general, a person cannot control, right? Your eyes, right? We can't always control what we see. I mean, we could close our eyes, but when we're walking down the street, that's very difficult, right? Our eyes, our ears, right? We can't always control what we hear. So that's two, four, plus uh, the... Uh, male organ, which again is hard to control. Uh, And therefore, when his name was changed to Avraham, he now had control over uh, those five limbs. Uh, The end of the chapter uh, gives us a, I would say a homiletic explanation of a verse in Kohelet, in Ecclesiastes. the verse says there was a small, right? There once was a small city with few people and a great king came and he laid siege. What does this mean? Uh, the Gemara says, what is the small city? It's our body. And it only has a few limbs, right? We have a limited amount of, uh, it only has a few people. Those are the limbs of the body. And what's this great king who laid siege on the, the city? It's the Yetzer Hara, the evil inclination, that um, causes us to sin. right? that's the siege. Like it it confines us. Uh, but then the verse continues. But in the city there was a wise man. This is the Yetzer Hatov, right? The good influence. Um, right? That voice that tells us to do the good things. And he filled the city with his wisdom. Right? The the right we end up doing good deeds but in the end no one remembered this wise man right and what is the gemara telling us right that when uh we do good right we do good but uh after we stop doing good we usually forget about doing good right the yetzer hara, the evil inclination is so powerful uh that we usually end up forgetting about the good side uh of um of right the good deeds that we could do right the the evil inclination is so enticing uh, The last thing of the chapter right priesthood was going to go uh from the line of Shem right Mal-ki-tzedek, uh who Abrahamit meets is either a descendant or is actually Shem and he was a priest uh, however because he praises Abraham, before he praises God, uh, the priesthood is taken from Shem and is given to Abraham, right which is why uh, right the Jewish people have the concept of priesthood uh, again as uh, as a nation from God. that is the end of the third chapter uh, next Mishnah uh, the Mishnah tells us um, there's no difference between someone who makes a vow against food related benefit from his friends versus not having any benefit right what would be the difference um one is walking through the person's property right that is obviously not food related and you can borrow non food related vessels right and we'll see what this is in a minute um if you can't eat from a friend, then you can't borrow food-related vessels, but you can borrow clothing, jewelry, things that do not have to do with uh, with food. Uh, and from here, uh, there is a concept that is taught at the bottom of 32. Uh, the concept of, in Hebrew, it's called vitur, uh, actually in modern Hebrew as well. I mean, in modern Hebrew, it means, um, you know, I give up of something but vitor here means like a gratuity right so let's say you go to a store and you buy uh some nuts right you say i want a pound of nuts usually right they, they might give you a little bit more right free of charge right they'll put a little bit more or baker's dozen right you get 13 instead of 12. um so here uh, it seems to be that this is considered benefit, even though there's no monetary benefit from it. Uh, DOP thirty three tells us uh, again, benefit that is associated with food are again anything that has to do with food. So vessels, uh, bags that you transport the food, animals that transport the food. Right? Can you drive? Can you borrow someone's car to go to a restaurant? Right? It's food related um, right but can you walk through someone's property to get to the restaurant uh, these seem to be yes uh, because they are more distant from actual food okay next mission on dap 33 something that isn't involved with food um, if it's normally rented out so then you can't borrow it because you are saving money that you could have used for food again right again you said i won't eat from you uh, that could also mean i'm not going to get monetary value uh, benefit from you because i'm saving money that i can then go and buy food with and the gemara says right things that aren't rented out are also forbidden according to rabbi eliezer right because there is a benefit given here okay the next mishnah says that if you vowed to not have benefit from someone, you can actually pay for their machatzit shekel If you remember, what's machatzit shekel The half a shekel tax that uh, everyone gave uh, once a year to the temple, so you can do this. Meaning, anything that is an obligation we're going to see, you can do for this person because they're not really getting benefit. Uh, there's a famous line that, um, when we do mitzvot, when we do commandments, it's not to get benefit. It's not about me. It's about doing a commandment. Therefore, if I do a mitzvah for you, you aren't getting any benefit. Uh, and therefore, you can pay the machatzita shekel you can pay his loan, uh, and you can return an object to him. But if you live in a place that you pay someone Right? A compensation for returning an object. So then you can't keep the money. That's direct benefit. Rather, the money should go um, to the temple. to Hekdish. Okay. The Gemara explains. You can pay a loan. Well, how can you pay a loan? That seems to be benefit. So you can pay a loan because you're preventing loss. um, But that's not considered benefit. Or... Maybe we're only talking about a loan that doesn't have a due date. So, if it doesn't have a due date, so then maybe we're saying, um, you know, uh, you're not really getting benefit if I pay back, uh, if I pay back for you. Uh, And here, um, the Gemara brings a case that we saw actually in vote, right? If someone supported someone else's wife when the husband was out of town then he can't ask the husband to pay him back, right? This seems to be like a loan, right? He, You can't, uh, is it a loan or not? And here it seems you cannot ask for the money back or there is opinion that you can, right? You swear to say how much you, uh, you gave as expenses and then you can get the money back. Um, and here uh, the Gemara talks about there's actually uh, quite a lengthy discussion about when we're talking about returning an object, who who is not allowed to get benefit from who? Not not allowed, but who took the vow, right? Is it the person who is uh, the uh, returner or the person whose object it belongs to? Uh, and there, the, basically, the, there are two ways to understand it, right? Let's say Ruben found Shimon's item and Ruvain's things are forbidden to Shimon, so then Ruvain can return it to Shimon because it's Shimon's item, it's not Ruvain's item, uh, right? He's not giving him anything new. But if Shimon's property is forbidden to Ruvain, so then he can't return it because when he's involved in returning this item, so now he doesn't have to give um, charity. What does this mean? Another fundamental principle is that if I'm involved in one mitzvah, uh, one commandment, I do not have to stop and do another commandment, another mitzvah. So if I'm in the middle of returning an item to you, um, I do not have to stop to give tzedakah. The fact that I don't have to stop to give charity means that I just saved money, which means I just benefited. So now that's a problem. Or really, it's okay, because how often is it going to be that someone's going to ask me for charity exactly in the moment that I'm coming to return your item? Daf 34 uh, tries to explain it uh, actually in the completely opposite way uh, and says, really, it's the opposite case that would be forbidden and the opposite case that would be permitted. Uh, Next case. Um, if a person finds a loaf of bread and sanctifies it, right, makes it heck dish, and then he picks it up to eat it, he is he has done mi'ilah, right? What is mi'ilah? Uh Mi'ilah is when uh, somebody misappropriates uh, property that is meant, excuse me, uh, property that is meant for God, meaning for the temple, uh, right? So you could say stealing from God. If you do this, you need to pay back the value, plus a fifth, plus um, uh, bring a sacrifice. So if you do this, right? Again, if you if you sanctify this loaf of bread and then you eat it, so now you did miilah. You need to pay back, and you have to pay back. The full value, even though you just picked it up. Um, but, right, let's say he only bequeaths it to his children, right? He doesn't use it. Then um, then he only pays for for the value of the benefit of the gratitude from his children. Meaning they haven't done anything yet. He hasn't done anything yet, but the fact that his children are so happy that it is written in their will, uh, in his will, so then that gratitude has monetary value, and that's what he has to pay for. Next, right? My loaf of bread is forbidden to you, uh, right? And then uh, I give it to you as a gift, right? So now, can you eat it? Right. One opinion is, yes, you didn't know that it's forbidden. You gave it to me so you can eat it Um, or no. Right. You cannot. Right. It's still forbidden. Right. As long as you um, even if I gave it to you as a gift, it's still forbidden to you. Um, um, Okay. Oh, and the Gemara adds at the bottom of 34, uh, even if I invite you over to my house, and I serve the bread, you still can't eat it. Uh, DOF 35 tells us, right, what's our case? Right, let's say somebody says, uh, right, your neighbor knocks on the door and says, can I borrow your cow? Uh, And you say, no, um, like, I'm so sorry, Uh, I only have one cow. Again, don't forget, the cow is the tractor, right? My cow is out in the field plowing my property, so I cannot lend it to you because my cow is busy Uh, and right i'm so serious like i feel so bad so i say right that if i own if i own another cow all of my property should be forbidden to you that's how serious i am but let's say uh you find out that he does own another cow right so then his possessions are forbidden to you right my possessions are forbidden to you unless that person dies or he gives it to him as a gift um so here it seems to say that if i if right one person gives another person a gift it takes it out of this concept of being um of being uh forbidden to him right once you give it as a gift it is no longer forbidden or the gemara adds maybe it is that it was given as a gift through a third party. Uh, and therefore, um, if you give it through a third party, uh, then it is okay. If you remember, in the beginning of the Masechet, we explained that when I say, if a person says, this object should be konam, right? konam is a language of a vow, but it's also the language of korban, which means sacrifice. Right. So when you said um, konam, did you mean to sanctify it like a sacrifice or not? And if you did, right now, if somebody uses it, are they uh, transgressing the case of mi'ilah, what we said before, right? Something that is forbidden through a konam, right? Is it prohibited if I, let's say, use it? Um, even accidentally, uh, you still have transgressed mi'ilah, meaning you have uh, stolen from God. It's important to recognize that mi'ilah is only accidental. If you do it on purpose, uh, you do not pay back uh, the value. Um, One might say your punishment will be more severe. We just don't know what the punishment is. but um, you do not pay it back if it is on purpose, right? And here the Gemara says that it is actually a dispute if it is uh, sanctified or not. The sages say it's not. You did, You do not have meila uh, even if you use the word konam. Um, okay, uh, the next Mishnah tells us if one is prohibited from benefit from another person, that... Right, the original person can separate truma and ma'aser, meaning the, um, the tithes and the, the gifts to the priest. And again, uh, as we said, this is a commandment and therefore it's not a benefit, uh, only if uh, the person knows that you're doing it, right, with his knowledge. And you can bring an obligatory sacrifice for that person right him or her um and you can teach again him or her um you can teach them uh halacha right the laws and midrash and and um practical laws but you're not allowed to teach torah right and the gemara is going to explain this but you can teach um the person's children torah uh, so the Gemara explains a little bit. Ah, we'll actually, uh, the Gemara's we're only going to do that next week. Uh, first, the Gemara talks about this idea of priests, right, the Kohanim in the temple. Uh, are they seen as our um, messengers to God, right, or are they God's messengers to us, right? Who's you know who i don't want to say whose side is the are the kohanim on but like who do they work for right do they work for us or do they work for god uh and here the gemara goes back and forth trying to prove one way or another um and it seems that our mishnah uh implies that they work for god right they're age agents of god because uh it seems that um, right, because they can bring a sacrifice for you, uh, so it seems that they're not getting any benefit from. But if the Mishnah right, but the Mishnah didn't mention all sacrifices, only specific sacrifices, uh, and therefore the the Mishnah seems to conclude that um, the Kohanim are actually agents of ours, uh, and therefore uh, there is some sort of benefit uh, here uh, in the Beit HaMikdash, and we will see uh, the ramifications of this uh, next week. Um, So, uh, first of all, first of all, wishing everyone a wonderful week. Um, There are going to be uh, a few changes in the upcoming weeks, Um, so uh, first of all, stay tuned to. Emails. I will be sending out uh, an email uh, to tell you exactly when classes will be. Uh, but the big change is um, ne- we will were, n- we we're not going to have class next week. Uh, I'm actually going to be traveling, and I couldn't find time um, to do the class. But we can't miss any classes. So therefore, I'm going to try to prepare um, as much as I can for right the next week's DAF. And I'm actually going to be giving the class this Friday at 2 PM Israel time. I know it is a crazy time, um, but it is the only time that I could find. Um, So. Don't like, again, anybody who can join, great, Uh, but if you cannot join, uh, it is totally fine. Uh, The class will be recorded and it will be uploaded so uh, you can, you know, you can see it if anybody does have questions or comments, feel free to email me. I'm happy to, uh, you know, to answer any questions that you have. Uh, I just couldn't find any other time. So that means class will be on this Friday, but for next week. Next week, there will not be any classes and then the following 2 weeks, um, the class is going to be on Wednesday night, regular time, uh, but Wednesday night for 2 weeks after that. So you don't have to remember this. I'm going to send out emails. Um, I apologize in advance uh, if it does not work out with your schedules, uh, but I'm just trying to uh, you know, stay on top of this as we know. Dafyomi is rain or shine. Uh and uh, you know, it's really called to all of you for uh sticking through it week after week. Uh so call to everyone. Wishing everyone a wonderful week. And um for those of you who can make it, see you on Friday. Uh if not, see you in a week and a half or two weeks actually. Uh have a great week, everyone.